how well do I understand my strengths and limits? How hard am I on myself? So you can get a stallion and go, God, they really know themselves, but they're the kind that go home and beat themselves up so bad at the end of the day that they lose their enjoyment. Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Yep, I'm back. How you doing out there, folks? I am so appreciative of the notes and texts and LinkedIn connections that have been made because you've heard something that is so heartfelt and has helped change your life. Please keep it coming. I love hearing what your experiences are and what your life are, because here today you are listening to Denise Cooper, and we are here to close the gap to get you from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow in the smoothest, best possible way that we can. And emotions are at the forefront of that. Every month I bring back my good friend, Pamela Richards, and she... As I've said in previous podcasts, and so I encourage you to go back to some of our other monthly conversations, you know, she's known for her passion for people and facilitating positive change for anyone in need with an open mind. Isn't that an interesting question? Is your mind open? Hmm. She enjoys being an executive coach and has helped people discover their strengths to make their life transformations. She's designed and run several leadership programs at Arizona State University and continues to help organizations with executive staffing and team building. One of the reasons, one of the, the things we're going to talk about today is that not only is she good as an executive coach, but she is an authority on assessments, personality assessments and behavioral assessments that are often used today to make hiring decisions, coaching decisions. They're used in all kinds of discussions around performance and communication. But one of the things that we're going to talk a little bit about is how assessments may not be used appropriately, not so much from their intention, but how people interpret them and help you, if you take the assessment, the person who's taking the assessment, interpret the results in a way that moves you forward towards your goals, towards having better relationships and understanding what you can do to connect with others, achieve the buy-in you need for strategies, change initiatives, transformations of all sorts. So that's what today's conversation is going to be about. Good morning, Pam. How are you? I'm doing well, Denise. It's always great to be on your show. And God, we're talking about a sweet spot for me today. So I'm excited. Yes, I know. So, you know, before we get into it and I, we tell our story of how we connected, Tell us a little bit about your background in assessments. It's going to date me, but I have been working in the assessment industry since my degree in counseling. I had to take a psychometrician course. So we studied all the different types of assessments from the ones only used, I want to say, in psychology by high therapists 
to what's current. So I kind of had this like, oh, assessments, like these can help us understand people. This is awesome. So I've always kind of been exploring that. And then even when I was in athletics, I just felt like there's got to be some way to tap into understanding or creating a way to understand people better or helping them understand themselves for that matter. I mean, we are complex people. Mm-hmm. So I have been working in and around assessments. I am certified. Oh my God, this is scary. And at least a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> but what does certified mean? Cause you know, today it, you know, people get certified in like a day. So. Uh, this is true. So there's, there is certification and then there is, I want to say the rigors of certification where it's been endorsed possibly by the coaching federations of mm-hmm. some kind. I mean, when I started getting endorsed there, there wasn't a coaching federation being a counselor and, and knowing how to use it. So I, I technically have the equivalent of a master's degree within the ability to use assessments mm-hmm. in terms of other professionals trying to go, Oh, like, how do I know somebody's really certified and what does that mean? find out what their solid education is. So like my background with the fact that I actually have a degree and I have worked with a lot to apply them, that's one. The second thing is to look on the validation and the research validation behind the assessment reports themselves. Does the person that you're talking to even understand what that is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they explain it. Or oh, yeah, they they're, just... valid- they're validated. I would say the difference between somebody who's really good at understanding what an assessment is and somebody who has just dabbled in it and and uses this tool that's kind of sitting there is someone who's used them long enough that they could explain part of what the science is behind it, Mm -hmm. that they know more than just this is what's on the report, that they could Mm -hmm. tell you the background of why this assessment is good or strong. They could also tell you the potential limits and the limits of how to use the assessment. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, you know, a a day certification. And for me, I would call it a lifelong passion because even though, for example, I'm certified in DISC, which is one of the very common assessments Mm -hmm. out there. I've Mm -hmm. been certified in Myers-Briggs. I know about predictive index. I know the big five. I do passions and motivators. And of course, the Hartman value profile, I still study DISC in its applications. And I will tell you that my understanding of how to use that report Mm -hmm. in a more profound way Mm -hmm. was probably enhanced in the past two years from my certification in Brene Brown and Mm -hmm. her new book on Atlas of the Heart. Yeah. So how do you pick a professional? Ask that question, you know, like how long have you been using them? What, what has been your application of them? What results have you seen from them Mm -hmm. to get more of a robust understanding of what that person does or how they do what they do with the reports? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've worked with some people. Oh, yeah, I know reports. And I was kind of like, yeah, I can ask him two questions and be like, yeah, no, they don't know reports, but I'm not going to say anything. To <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, you know, that leads us into how we met because when I was the senior HR, we did, you know, assessments for people. We sent them off to the, you know, top name. I'm not going to name them, but the top name companies or organizations that did, you know, week long. We're, we're here, charm schools kind of thing. And they used assessments. And one of the things that I noticed out of it is, is that we would send high performers, people of color and women to these assessments. And they do a battery of 360s and, you know, personalities, whether it was Hart Hogan or analysis and some of the others that are DISC. I mean, all of the most common behavior based, yeah. Yeah, behavior based assessments. 
and they would come back and they would be devastated from things of, first of all, there would be things in the report that the interpreter would say, well, you need to, you know, speak differently. You need to walk differently. The way you come across is too hard to, you know, you need to back off being so forceful. Well, for a person of color or a woman to be told that you're too assertive, too aggressive, and that your colleagues, you know, trust level around this is, is waning. They don't feel comfortable talking to you. And it was the first time many of them had ever heard any feedback like this. Oh, oh, and that makes my, my, my heart cringe just a little bit. Okay. Well, and the other side of it is, is that when they came back, it took me six months to put them back together to the point where they were able to perform again because they internalized this information because part of being culturally competent is understanding that when you're a person of color or woman, you're automatically coming with a shield up. I don't even call it a shield. I call it a mask. Mask. Because you feel like you have to perform and be better than the best from everybody I've known like you and even others that I have been talking with lately. It, it is an actually very heavy mask to put on every day when you go to work mm-hmm. and, and then be hyper aware that you have to be better than the average person because if you don't, they'll find the one thing that's a flaw. So that's a great question. When it comes to using assessments, like I, I have people who are like, they're horrible. Personality assessments don't mean anything. And people fluctuate and they change. Like I've heard this extreme, like never use them. They're horrible. They're bad. They're awful. And yet for me, assessments are supposed to be a way to increase your self-awareness. And if it is a good report, and this is the other kicker where people go, oh, you can't take assessments because it's going to catch whatever emotional state you're in or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? an accurate assessment should be able to capture something about what it is that you're doing now. So like with, for example, the DISC report that I do use, it gives you what's called your natural style and your Mm -hmm. adapted style, right? Mm -hmm. And what it's going to do is kind of capture because when, when you go to take an assessment and you go, that's not me, it's really easy for us to point out what is not who we are. No way. And then when we think about, well, what, how am I doing? What am I being right now? It's going to capture what you are in the moment. So technically, like a DISC assessment, if I said, take take this in relation to your relationship with your boss, or take this in relationship to your spouse, or take this as you perform on this team, you will literally see the fluctuations in the adapted style. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it, because it shows how human we are. Mm -hmm. So when you go in and you're looking at the assessment, and, and when I'm teaching it, it is not to put people in a box and go, this is the totality of who you are. Right. The other thing you have to understand is like using the DISC assessment is a thin layer of the onion. It happens to be the one that people see, Mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do what's underneath. People Mm -hmm. have passion, they have drivers, they have processing ability. They've obviously got work experience. I mean, there's a lot of layers to the onion so that this is not who you are in totality. Mm -hmm. So by what you were saying that this person did by going, ah, yeah, this right here, that's devastating because I can look at this and give people the disc report and someone will go, well, you know, I just don't agree with this part of this, this thing here. And I go, cool. Well, I usually give a sweep because I want to get more layers of the onion. So I don't just give one report unless right, right. it create communication or for teamwork purposes. It's a great first assessment for people to start discussing things. I'll go, cool. Well, what resonates with you? And that's what I look at. And if it goes through and it says, here's something that's an issue as they go through it, like, What's the one or two that you go, yeah, this one really is impacting me now. Tell me how's that impacting you. Mm -hmm. 
And that approach is to pull out, not box in. Mm-hmm. It is not to say this is this is all of who you are or this is all you will ever be. That's mm-hmm. completely the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. When we look at person, and I hate calling them personality assessments, when we look at the brain wiring, we are emotion and we're the frontal cortex of logic. Mm-hmm. And we don't do anything without emotion. So to me, instead of calling it the personality, I really say it is understanding your emotional type mm-hmm. and your habitual responses to the triggers from the environment. Mm-hmm. So part of how we're raised part, like there is actual neuroscience that says there's a difference in the brain between an introvert and an extrovert. Mm-hmm. There is a difference in the brain between someone who's an active doer, like they've actually done scans of brains and they can come up if you will with brain typology looking at what parts of the brain get excited and which ones don't and so this assessment is to help you understand how do i present myself how do other people potentially see me in that presentation it's an example of one of the lenses that we would put on so before i knew assessments i was extremely highly dominant i was a competitive athlete i was much more introverted and very intelligent. And so I could stand stoic in the corner and I would intimidate people by my rare presence. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I what? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like this pussycat inside. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. If I had had the report by the person you're talking about, they say, well, you're domineering and you're this and you're that and you're that. And I'd be like, holy cow. Like I would have like, but as I started to learn what's going on behind like being high dominant, well, it was because as a child, I learned if I controlled my environment, life was better. I was learned to jump in and do like, that was a part of my growing up. Mm -hmm. Did I learn as a result of understanding coming over how other people see me, I've been able to tone down the worst parts of me and utilize the best parts of me. Right. But that becomes the also choice of then looking at what is my environment calling me to do? Mm -hmm. And do I have that natural behavioral, like, can I go into a flow state and do my work? Or am I like, God, I've got to do this and I've got to become something I'm really not, which Mm -hmm. burns energy Mm -hmm. and causes frustration. So, you know, I've obviously been taking this assessment for 20 years and I will tell you, I have seen fluctuations in myself Mm -hmm. and people go, ah, see, not valid, not valid. I'm like, well, we as humans change over time. Right, right. You're not the, yeah, yeah. You're not the person you were at 18 years old. I mean, everybody on here. Where, are you right. still that six-year-old? Are you still that 18-year-old? Are you are you going to be the same person when you hit 50? I hope 50? not. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And so it, it, it's really interesting that why people come up with those comments, right? And so I always wonder when people immediately, when I hear from somebody who immediately says, you know, these things aren't valid because they change because, you know, of all kinds of things like that, I, I want to go. So tell me, what would make it valid? Well, the person is the same. I know people who change after, I, I mean, I've seen them come out of a br- brutal budget conversation and, you know, where they, their department got slashed and they were a whole different person after coming out of that meeting than they were th- before they went into that meeting. And if we took the, uh, the, you know, the assessment, any one of them before and after, they're fluctuating. I've also seen, because we're so adaptive, that a person who takes it on day one of employment, by the time they get to day, the ninth month, we begin to see their assessment shift to be more like the culture that they're in. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you look at assessments, there's lots of different validation there. What you're talking about is test retestability. 
And for the most part, if someone were to take the test given, you know, trying to control the situation and they went back in under the exact kind of similar situation, but just a little bit later, they should be able to test out and be fairly similar. So given there's changes or something happening, yes, you're going to see some fluctuation, but you should be able to at least see some continuity that if I went and I took it under the same thing, I would be very similar. You also want to see it as it compares to other assessments. Mm -hmm. Like, has it seen validation by being compared to other reports that show that they've proven that they're actually testing what they're testing? Mm -hmm. There's the face validity where somebody takes it and I go, God, you've taken it. And this is what I know about my reports. What do you think? Oh my God, this just nailed me. Like I've known this about me, but never like expressed in this way. Like it should be valid because I will, I don't go in and go, this is all who you are. It's like, what do you think about it? And anybody who comes in and dictates I want to know because I also know in one of my other assessments, which is a deductive instrument. So this is most are self-report. And when yeah. you have a self-report type test, that self-report is definitely going to be affected by situations, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the natural adaptive. Mm-hmm. And when you use it, so to speak, in staffing, some people go, oh, yeah, well, you can't use it all the way. Well, no. But again, if I see adaptations, that's just a cue to me to go, here's a great way to ask questions. What's this person going through? Why do they feel that this adaptation is getting them closer to what they need to do in performance? Mm -hmm. And it's an indication that there's something going on that I can ask questions about all stuff that's relevant, because if I'm in a situation and say, there's something potentially not so legal going on, and it's really got me on edge and I got to find another job, that stress load might show up in the report and you go, well, I can't not hire him because of stress load. I never tell people to go yes or no, based on what you see. It's an indication. And the way that my reports will do it is there's an adaptation going on. It's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't come out in the side that says, here's their core strengths. It comes out in the fact that here's their core strengths and they're adapting right now. You need to ask some questions around kind of what's happening, you know, like, what would you change about your present position or what do you like most about or dislike most about your boss or what would you change? And you can start getting a better understanding because you see the fluctuation, why that's coming out. And mm-hmm. usually if it's a case of, you know, something drastic happening at work, uh, the company was just bought out and they're, you know what I mean? You get that and you go, okay, I get it. The important part too, to understand is when you start seeing duress in a report, the longer a person is under duress. Think Mm -hmm. about it yourself. The longer it takes them to snap back, bounce back people that go, God, I've just been through six months of horrible things. I'm going to take a new job and tomorrow I'm going to be great. (laughs) It's going to take us time to recover. Do we still see the strength of the report? Yes. But I will tell people when they're staffing, this person's been through a lot. So do not expect them to hit the floor running when they come into your, and if you have that in mind and you're going to work with them, awesome. You will see that strength come back. Right. But you need to know out of the gate that there's going to be some things. I think that's the other side of assessments that is so inappropriate right now. People will take this assessment and I will say that there's a couple of them that will give you a ballpark of risk. Right. Not not that they're perfect match. Like, oh, this person's going to come in. They're going to be awesome. Like the 90% match. No, I was working with one company and I helped them understand the assessment and they started hiring for like this top notch person, like super top notch. And they called me back after six months and said, Pam, I don't understand. We've been hiring like all these really, really top people and they're still walking. And I said, oh, I said, well, what kind of positions are you putting them in? Like, again, match position. They went, well, they work in our warehouse. And I was like, I went back to the profiles and I looked at it and I said, these are types of people that are going to seek high leadership 
roles. Places. Their potential yeah. is like a stallion. They, they and you left them in a warehouse job. I'm sorry. They they want something else. That you're hiring really really good people, but you're putting them in a position that's not growing. Yeah. So that's the other side that's of not the match. Right. So what do you learn about the person? Mm-hmm. Not sh- don't leave it at the door. If you have a good assessment, you shouldn't leave it at the door. The information from that assessment should help you in the onboarding. Mm-hmm. It should help the managers understand how to work with that individual. Mm-hmm. It should help that individual create a language of understanding that they can then also use to understand their teams that right. they're working on and becomes a, a language of conversation and back and forth. And then even later on coaching, like God, we had this top performer, I've had it and something's happened. I, I, I have no idea. Go in, take the assessment. I'm like, yeah, this person's going through something major. And as I do the individual coaching, which I, here's the other part, when you're doing assessments and somebody's working with it, your individual needs to know how that assessment, when it's coming in, there should be do's and don'ts of how to bring in reports. If there's a report being used, that person needs to know, here's what the report is. Here's how it's going to be used. Here's what's going to come out of it. I have people that have wanted to use the reports because they want to fire somebody and I won't even work with them. Yeah, that's me too. I sorry. We're not, not setting somebody up. We're not setting up. You want me to coach them? Awesome. So, like in this situation, it was set up. Pam, can you work with them? Awesome. So I get a private consultation with them. I do not disclose what happens in that consultation with the people. So it is a secure, safe environment mm-hmm. where we can exchange and I can go, wow, you know, Denise, there's some real stress showing up on this report. And you don't have to disclose to me, but I'd love to help you. Do you feel confident talking about? what's causing that. And I will get people that just, and I'll be like, person's going through a major divorce. They're mm-hmm. devastated. They don't know what they're going to do, et cetera. And I'm like, no wonder their performance is down because they're so like thrown off by this changing event. Right. I've had it where they're a parent and it comes out that their son has autism and they're struggling because they can't find any school that will take them. And they know that the schooling right now is so important. It's like, yeah. Okay. So a good assessment is going to help you with asking the right questions, help the individual from the standpoint that they're human. Mm -hmm. It is not that an assessment comes out and says, this is all you are, because I will point to the strengths and go, God, let's help you maximize those strengths. So the Hartman value profile, I will say is probably one of the most powerful ones that I've come across. It, It was really one of the keys that I was hoping to have when I was in athletics. And what makes it powerful is it's deductive. Most assessments are self-report. You take it, you could probably game it. In fact, I, I've worked with in, some people in the insurance industry and they have, they have, they're, they're one of the top users of like, you got to take it. You got to meet a certain marker. You can't even be hired to sell. Right. 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 So, so what I find the people recruit me go, here's how you, here's how you make sure you answer the questions like this. Right. So they geared so they can get through it. Not, not my idea. So it's a deductive instrument. So you have no clue what it's measuring. And if you try to fake it, which I have seen salespeople try to do, <laughs> the, the reliability drops. And that's the other thing you should look for. There should be some kind of reliability indicator for a good assessment that says there's some consistency in how it's being done or mm-hmm. there's some inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. So I'll usually see the inconsistency go down. I will immediately go back and look at the rankings and go, hmm, look at that. This was a test for the restaurant industry and they ranked a good meal high. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. 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 
but then I can go in and talk to them. I don't just take that result and go nay or nay. I look at that reliability and go, I need to ask them what went on and then allow them to take it again and say, please don't second game it. Just answer it by what you're really you know, doing. And Before love- we move too far, because okay. you know, you've given us some good ideas in terms of what should we look at in terms of reliability, and not just about the assessment, but about the person who's giving the feedback on it. And one of the things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious about, and some of my listeners might be curious about is, is there a cultural competence that goes with this? Cultural competence. Yeah. I mean, does, does the interpretation or the assessment change based on the cultural aspects of a person? Do we see differences if someone who has lived in Beijing all their life and they're now coming to an American company? Do we see differences between... You know, someone who excellent, may be, yeah. Excellent question. So if you take, for example, the DISC report, mm-hmm. yes, you will see tendencies, although some of the tendencies are starting to go down just because we're so global mm-hmm. and there is so much more impact. But for example, in Germany, the dominance factor tends to be higher. Why? Because most of the people that survived that war were brought up to take charge of their thing. You're a little bit, I mean, I'm a second generation, so I'm not just classifying them, but I know as a result of it, my mom was like, don't show weaknesses. It's a bad thing. And, and they were hard. Like you don't baby a person. That was what they were taught. So you'll see some of those, but even if you go into that, so I did a workshop for Baxter Asia Pacific and I had 260 people from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so it was fascinating for me to look at clusters. Like I, I had a cluster from Japan and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I should see these tendencies. Well, yes, there was a little bit more of, I want to say the, the steady, stable, very mm-hmm. articulate type, mm-hmm. but I also saw the full spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so you, even within a culture, you're going to see variance on those assessments. But, so from, you, my, but from a person who might be the you know, in your, the coach, is there something that they need to change? Is there something question? They ask questions different. What, how, do, is there anything? So, you know, we know that, you know, there was a time when kids, black kids in school were taking standardized tests and they were doing poorly simply because their life wasn't reflected in the standardized test. And it was interpreted that they were dumb. The, the people who were doing the assessments for my black, brown and women I don't think they had the cultural relevance or cultural competence to be able to see through a different set of eyes or to ask questions in a way to understand that devastation. Cause I'll, I'll tell you the mask is real. I've had the mask on for a long time. And for the most part, most people don't know when I'm upset and I know how to power through the meeting when I've been devastated before. And I call it, you know what? It's showtime. Let me take a deep breath, lower that, you know, irritability thing. And then I walk in the room and I perform. And so it's a well-honed skill to be able to do your job, interact with people who you, who have all day been giving you indicators that you're not welcome. And so now you get an assessment that pulls that back or interprets it differently because that one piece of understanding may or may not be in the hands of the person who is making the interpretation. Very much so. When, when somebody is looking at using assessments within an organization, everybody needs to have, if you will, a, like a big debrief. 
as to how is this report to be used? How is it going to be engaged? When I use it, I want to make sure people completely understand how to use that report, managers especially. And a lot of times I will give like the summary sheet and say, highlight the stuff that's important to you. And that's what we're going to share from. It is not that the the other person gets the report and goes, oh God, this is all that the person is. No, like it becomes a dialogue to talk about. It is a tool. It is not a total, it is a tool to create communication, to bring people to discuss what does this say? And now in looking at yours and mine and understanding the basics of the emotion that's behind things, how do we learn to work with each other so we're not triggering each other's fears? Mm -hmm. We're not pushing other's buttons. And I'm not judging you because you're not like me. Mm -hmm. So I had this great experience. I worked with the 100 black women coalition in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. I had the ability to work with them. Oh gosh, probably over the course of three years. So it's just this nice core group of people. And I ran disc on them for about three years. Mm -hmm. And in one of my last sessions with them, we had a discussion because we did disc and there was higher dominance than what I would say the national average, because that's one other thing the team reports really good. It kind of shows where's this team in relation to the national average. Now that is not to say that there's anything wrong or bad, but if I go into a tech field, I will tend to see people in certain quadrants because right. why they work with technology. They're very literate. They like to work by themselves the, mm-hmm. that there's some qualities that attract people to certain things, right? right? That's, that's the, that's the great part, but then you can get into the fine tuning. And I guess the other part to to understand is that the disc types will give you your tendency, but it does not tell me which, where I get more from the the judgment assessment is the emotional intelligence to know and have the ability to contain those emotions and to work through them. Mm -hmm. And so as I was looking at some of the different women, they go, does this have something to do with the fact that we are taught to just be so tough growing Mm -hmm. up? And I said, absolutely. And I don't see being high in dominance as a weakness because it is one of our driving forces, but it's understanding that even though the tendency is to blow off steam, how can we channel that into a better way that comes very productive to right. push in what you need to do? And, and so it wasn't like, Ooh, yeah, you're just that really angry person over there. No, uh-huh. it's like, why is it? Where is it coming from and how do we harness it to the best ability? And that's really what you should be getting from the assessments. That's how they should be used in, in pulling from the strengths. It's like strength finders. Mm-hmm. I've even like done strengths finders and, and I love it. But the part I had a hard time with strengths finders is it can't tell me the why behind I'm this person or mm-hmm. why behind I'm this, where the assessments I've got are that, that I've settled on really are at the core of the understanding of the why. Mm-hmm. Why, what, what is it that really motivates me from the motivators from a positive or a pushback? Mm-hmm. What is it about my behavioral style? And after using it for so many years, understanding it, God, I know why I am the way I am. And I have used it to perfect the best part of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I read one guy and he goes, yeah, this thing says that I'm an introvert and I shouldn't be able to do public speaking, but I love public speaking. And I'm like, I'm an introvert and I do public speaking. And I would never tell an introvert you can't right? because you draw on other energies to be able to do that. An introvert just says, I need to regain my energy by taking time alone. Why? Right. Not because of anything about me as a person, my brain can only take so much because it's already wired to connect. And when I put overstimulation on it, the brain literally goes shut down, pull away. Like Mm -hmm. that's 
that's understood. That's the understanding underneath. It is never to go, well, you can't do this because it's not in your profile. Well, maybe your passion is what's getting you into that, or your past experience is getting you into that. Mm-hmm. Passion, emotion from that side can override anything. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is determined to do something. I mean, I, you know, athletics wise, I was never an awesome athlete, but I had a passion to do something. And it was my passion that got me in the gym every week to do certain things until the point that I got a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Was I the best of that the determination? Best? Yeah. No, it was my determination. Like, so right. I overrode even a high school coach going, hey, you don't have what it takes. See what he knew, right? That right. Kind of, <laughs> and a good assessment is going to capture the best part of you and say, how do we harness that? Mm-hmm. How do we make that better? So as I was talking about the judgment index and what I like about it is because it's deductive, you can't, you can't fake it. It's going to mm-hmm. tell about where do you process? So with all the stuff coming out now about bias and mm-hmm. attack, this one will give you an indication from an intuitive people perspective or a practical problem solving or more of that conceptual long-term logic standpoint, which one am I biased to? Mm-hmm. And how does that affect the decisions I make and how I go about doing things? So someone who's very systemic will have a tendency to overlook people and not mm-hmm. even realize like they're doing what they're really good at Mm-hmm. But because people come last, they're a cog in the wheel. Well, what does systemic and mean? I mean, is, what does that mean? You see the world based on concepts. You you go, this is the goal. Here's how to get there. Right. Uh, had somebody describe it as the teleprompter that you live your world by. Mm-hmm. And if things line up with that, it's awesome. Kind of the black, white thinking. And if it doesn't, oof. And I, and I find people that have that are very perfectionistic. They're very future oriented. And so there's the strengths, right? Mm -hmm. We need to have that ability to look at the future. We need to have those things. But when we do certain things, what are we neglecting? And that's what's really good about the report is just to make you aware. Here's your strength, the yin and the yang. But when you're using that strength, what's the potential blind spot, Mm -hmm. right? But then it's interesting. Yeah, but, but it's also, so when, you know, I use it with the team reports and I love the team reports because finally- with the disc, because finally now we're beginning to understand or a team, anybody, anybody, any level can begin to understand why when I'm with some people, it's just harder to communicate. It's harder for us to find shared expectations, shared understanding. And with other people, it's like, you know, we've known each other forever, or we, we have these um, boundaries that we flow with through the whole process. One of the things I noticed is always the most insightful is in that particular report, it actually tells you the frequency, I guess it is, of how easy or hard, how much more you have to work. I guess it's really about. Yeah. <laughs> And when I see someone who's got a score of 60% of the time. <laughs> yes. Or that, worse. That- but here's another one that's really fascinating. So I've done this in a national power company, right? Mm-hmm. And I had all the top executives. We actually were at the Whitewater Training Center and we made them wear sweats. So they weren't in their suits. It was just so awkward for them. They're like, you know, we took them out of their, their whatever. But the guy came up to me because we did the disc, we did the motivators, and then we did the judgment. And he said, Pam, I, I just got to sit down with you because when I look at the disc and I get that I am different from the CEO, we're very different, totally good. But it says that I shouldn't get along with them. And we are like brothers. And I said, disc does not say that you will not get along with somebody because opposites do attract. But I said, let me see something. Let's go look at your judgment report. And I brought them up and I was like, oh God, you guys are twins. 
but you they communicate not, differently. You may behave different. Mm-hmm. You may have different fear factors, but you're in total alignment. When you go to analyze something, you look at it the same way. Mm-hmm. And so there's different ways that we can connect or disconnect from people. Mm-hmm. And so it is fascinating for me, like when I do executives and I'm staffing, I'll get people go, oh, Pam, yeah, I screen this person for us. And I'll get it. And I'm like, oh, God, they love them. I can already tell they love them, but they are missing the whole key. And so I go back, did you already interview them? Yeah, we really, really like him. I'm going to like, I had that feeling. I said, did you ask these questions? They said, no, no. Why, why do we need to ask those questions? And I was like, well, you're dealing with a really good outgoing extrovert that can read people extremely well. And they know how to put up the facade on the first date, mm-hmm. basically. And, and even research shows that natural extroverts, very outgoing, yeah. they, they get the job because yeah. they interviewed well, which is the problem with the base of interviewing and why assessments to me kind of take that mask off and let you see what's under the hood and what you're going to see in six months not day one, day two, or even the first month, because we're still in the honeymoon period. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand what they're going to get at month six. Yeah. Right. Here's, here's how this person's going to fit in. And I will show how they fit with the team. Mm -hmm. When I first started using assessments to staff at the executive level, they're like, well, tell me they can do the job. And I was like, can't do that. Well, I can tell you they could do the job, but here's the key. Can they do the job in that company with those people? Mm -hmm. Now I do the entire executive team and I go, this is the job. This is the person. Here's how well they line up with what the job is. Here's how they're going to line up with the team. Here's the strengths they're going to bring to your team, because sometimes we need to look for that difference. And here's how they're going to be different. And this is the other key. Sometimes I've seen people go, yeah, we want diversity. We want to bring in a real diverse culture, blah, blah, blah. And they bring the people in diverse and then they make them, like you said, exactly like the culture was. Yeah. You have to understand and have a language, which the assessments are a language of understanding. What is diversity? What is it that we're really trying to meet in that diversity? What Mm -hmm. is it that they're providing that we're lacking? Mm -hmm. And as we bring them in, how do we appreciate that diversity so that we are bringing it out and not squelching it? Yeah. And that's where that totality of using assessments is great. And then, and as I was going to finish with the, the Hartman profile, my judgment in there's several different names for it, but anyway, it also assesses the people on the internal side. And it mm-hmm. is the only deductive instrument I have seen that can capture our self-awareness. Mm-hmm. How well do I understand my strengths and limits? How hard am I on myself? So you can get a stallion and go, God, they really know themselves, but they're the kind that go home and beat themselves up so bad at the end of the day that they lose their enjoyment. You know, so it's that, but that's the coaching piece. The internal mm-hmm. side can be so like, you can see a change by coaching someone on the internal side within two weeks mm-hmm. by increasing awareness and understanding. It looks at role awareness. Do I understand what I'm doing? Do I like what I'm doing? Or my, the role image kind that just like, yep. I'm going to put my facade up and you're yep. going to see what I need you to see. And I am going to point fingers and create excuses by, you know, and it, even from Brene's work, when I was like, oh God they are under armor. There's mm-hmm. no vulnerability under the hood. Like yeah. they are not willing to own it. So you, you can see this in ready time on the report. And then there's also looking into that future. Can I see myself down the road? Is there a, a destination or something that I want to make happen? Which it clear a lot of drive, but at the same token, I can see that at times and go, God, they suffer from perfectionism. Mm-hmm. This is that systems thinking that I was mm-hmm. kind of talking about before. 
I know where I want to be and it's got to be just right. This it's way. Just, I've got to be perfect and this is what I want. And what I find is that they don't put a lot of rewarding rewards up or, you know, like when I accomplish this, this is how I'm going to feel, or this is also going to make me feel good about who I am because it's like, no. And if I asked them why they had those specific goals, they'll be, well, because of everything external. And you'll actually see it on the report, they're very world directed, they live and they only feel as good as their last assignment. But again, those things give me insight into how to coach them because I go, God, this is a performer, but if they stay on this track, they're going to get burned out. They're going to be, yeah. Right? All right. Yeah. Unfortunately, guys, this could go on for a while. We'll hit another topic next month. Please, if you have something of interest that you'd want us to talk about, or even have a question about what's happening in this podcast, please sit, you know, send them in. We'd love to hear from you. The other thing I want to remind you is, is that um, every month uh, I have a Mighty Networks, a community-based conversation where people send in questions and I answer those questions on Mighty Network. And you can find that out, all of this information, including when this podcast is going to be produced and, or when it's produced, it'll be on my website. Or you can go to any of your podcast providers and sign up for it. Just look for Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe. And as always, if you like this conversation, feel free to share it. If you didn't like this conversation, share it too, because I guarantee it will be a conversation that will help you find the insights you need to close the gap. And with that, woo! what do I say all the time? Wow, it's a wrap. Talk to you later. Bye. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper, and you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.